What's up? You're listening to the Jack and Soph podcast. We have made it to episode three. Time is flying. Uh, Jack, you read me with Sophia Yerkstevich, and I'm super excited to talk to you because we got into a bit of a debate last week, Soph, about this cell phone business, and word on the street yes. is you have an update here. For anyone that wasn't listening uh, to our second episode, first of all, go listen to that. Second of all, um, Soph heard from someone on the media tour for the NHL that NHLers are allowed to bring their cell phones on the bench. I called BS. And you said maybe BS. You didn't call fully BS. You said, I, I don't said, know if that's true. I said, okay. I think Seth Jones lied to you. And I, I didn't say that. Okay, so I actually was supposed to do way more investigating than I did because I can easily ask a couple players. Didn't do that, but someone I know is really good buddies with Drew Doughty. They used to um, they used to play on the nights together, and so he listened to the podcast and he was like, "No chance, that's allowed." So he texted Drew, and he's like, "Hey, help me settle a bet. Like, are players allowed to have their bench or their phones on the bench?" And he was like, "Yeah, never, not." <laughs> so that's what Drew said, <laughs> but I still heard. From some officials that it's dependent on which team. So that whole episode two might be a big lie on my end, which in that case, if I can officially confirm I was lied to and I believed it, I'll do, I don't know, I'll embarrass myself somehow, do something dumb because I am sad that like I took that to heart. I was passionate last week, wasn't I? Oh, we got an email. So the team that works on this podcast, there's like about six of us on an email chain. And so it was like, I have a topic. We have to talk about it. Like we have to talk about players are allowed to have their cell phones on the bench. And I, I actually like emailed back to our producer and to to um like i guess our boss is dan our boss i guess dan's our dan, boss are you our boss i don't know yeah sure. dan's our boss, boss I guess. on mondays just once a week dan yeah once a week don't he's our boss and so i Not said i said can we get confirmation that this is a real thing <laughs> before we talk about it and so it's like oh no no like the pl- a player told me like it's for sure true <laughs> and uh wow. i just think it's so funny that two episodes in it's like oh yeah yeah hashtag fail like uh, maybe they were messing with you like maybe they were like oh let's j- joke around and see if this girl buys this I really do have to ask a couple more people, but like I am th- thoroughly and deeply embarrassed if I was gullible enough to believe that, and it's not true. I don't know why he'd want to mess with me, but whatever. Now we're just in limbo right near, right here, and we are investigating whether or not cell phones on the bench are allowed. You know how else I embarrass myself? Well, I was gonna say first of all, spin zone. Maybe Seth Jones is just an absolute rebel. Like maybe and just breathe it out on the bench. Yeah. Seth, I don't know. I got. I'm get, just. I I'm spin zoning on your behalf so that you don't feel so bad, girl. I said that I could kick a 35 yard field goal. I didn't actually just come out and say, guys, I'm going to be able to do this. But somebody else um, was challenged, I think, by some somewhere he works, and he made a bet that he can kick 35 yards, no problem. Invited me to go, and I went today. And I was like, yeah, brought my cleats. BMO Field, which for those of you not in Toronto, that's where the Toronto Argonauts play as well as the Toronto FC. And I was like, for sure, okay, maybe not 35 yards, fine. Remember my bet in San Francisco? Like I learned from that. Jackie, oh my gosh, are we going to relive this? No. So I learned Well, you can't bring that up. You need to tell the listeners what that bet was. Soph thought that how many, Soph thought that she could throw six six strikes on 10 pitches 
from a professional mound. <laughs> Let me tell you something. She did not throw a single strike, not even one. And and also, like we were all like having some adult beverages and having a good time when this all started. Right. And right. you should have seen how confident Soph was <laughs> about this. Like she was taking on any doubters, which the entire table was was like 10 people being like, uh, you know how hard that is, right? Like, no. And she was like, oh, I could do seven. And I was like, so like nudge, nudge. And she's like, oh, okay. Okay. Six. I could do six of 10. I was like, that's still ludicrous. Well, I, okay. So I play softball in Toronto with my buddies all the time and we do practice pitching and I normally do throw strikes. Now, I know softball is different, but we use a baseball. And maybe it's not quite 60 feet, but it's not close. It's the damn mound <laughs> okay. that throws you off. But that do, mound- you still, do you still have the footage that we took of you trying? Yes. yes. We should throw will, that up because that. it's literally like crash, bang. Like people are ducking out of the way. Like we had yeah, a big batter stand in the box. Like so it was some of the funniest crap I've ever watched it was it was so very funny. funny like just listening to the sound because you hear the ball hitting everything but the glove the mitt it's like <laughs> bing bong it's like on the ground so it was really bad but it Jackie, was so I'm bad I would have if that was me that. in your spot I would have deleted that footage immediately and been like no you guys this is too embarrassing I will post it I own that but um but I want to tell you so I learned from that and I'm like okay I'm not gonna be super cocky about this but I said I can attempt a 35 yard field goal maybe I'll kick it 20 yards we'll see how it goes like I kicked it today three times. Did it even leave the ground? No. It basically rolled like 16, <laughs> 16 yards each time. It was. I have video of that too. Might post that. But anyway, that was my day today. The end. Um, I, I, I will say, despite your um, overconfidence in your athletic abilities, I do admire your your courage is that the right word courage, you do go yeah. for it like you go for it but yeah I'm that's not afraid to be embarrassed that's one of the that's one of the funniest bets I've ever seen play out in front of my own eyes was you in San Francisco trying to throw six strikes <laughs> on 10 pitches I'll post that. I will post that we'll make it into a little oh, bit it was so um, good so Jackie would you yes. ever feel comfortable like running into your work and running around and yelling at all your coworkers after you told them you wanted to quit anyway? Because that's what Jimmy Butler pretty much did today uh, at practice. Like that was insane. First of all, this whole Jimmy Butler saga has been extremely entertaining to watch. And I'm not even like the biggest NBA fan out there, but it's been so fun. Here's the thing. I don't actually hate what he did. For anyone listening that's not familiar, he requested a trade weeks ago showed up to practice today and basically took a bunch of bench players like third string players and beat the starters with them and like was Mm -hmm. yelling in practice at some of his teammates and saying like you effing need me here like you need me to win yeah but I saw his interview um with with Rachel Nichols which aired tonight like just like a couple hours ago and he was Mm -hmm. saying you know he goes, I'm a passionate guy. And if I'm going to be at practice and I'm going to be doing this, like, I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to tell you. To, and if you, if you prove me wrong and you, you do something well, you know, I'll tap you on your butt and be like, good for you. But I'm not, he's like, I'm too passionate about the game to hold back. And I don't have any issue with what Jimmy Butler did. I think, no. he's just a super ultra competitive guy. And you can th- have your own opinion about, requesting a trade some people don't like that but 
in terms of what he did today, showing up at practice and basically making sure that everybody was owning their own crap, I have no problem Mm -hmm. with that. All the greats are like that. All the greats demand that you... In sports anyways, like we saw it with Michael Jordan. We saw it, we've seen it with Kobe Bryant when he was still playing. All of the greats demand excellence from the people around them, and that's for, why they're so good. Yeah, for sure. But if you've wanted to leave for a while now, and that's very public, like isn't that a bit of a, like, I don't want to say slap in the face. I agree with you. Show your passion, and you're there to win. You're not there to collect a paycheck both but you're there to win and you got to do whatever it takes and if you got to make people around you better by motivating that way good for you but isn't it kind of just annoying if like you wanted out of this anyway now you're coming in and and yelling at us and being this certain way in this cocky way what bugs me the most is how much the players run the NBA like why is stuff that's happening off the court and not during the regular season generally more entertaining and more controversial than the games because of the lack there I mean not always but the lack of parody uh for the most part. That's kind of the annoying part about the NBA, no? Yeah, well, I think I agree with you. I mean, the NBA at the start of the year, you always know which four or five teams are going to be in it at the end. But Mm -hmm. the one thing the NBA does really well is that they market their stars and they make their stars important. And it is a superstar-driven league. The superstars are the ones that not only drive their individual teams and can put a team on their back and and take care of them to the final, like, hello, LeBron, but they're also the ones that bring in all the money. Those are the jerseys mm-hmm. that are getting sold. Those are the guys putting butts in the seats for lack of a better cliche. But like, so because of that, then when superstars know that, then that's what happens. They end up behaving that way. So I have no problem with it as long as the player that is behaving this way also owns their own stuff and holds themselves accountable and, and to the same standard that they hold everybody else. That said, I'm not walking into work tomorrow and yelling every at everybody when I go to No, in. exactly. Like if you came into Yahoo and were like, first of all, I want off this podcast. I want to be on, you know, X podcast over here. And then you waited three weeks and then you came in, you started telling us how to do our jobs. I'd want to like slap you. I'd be like, yo, leave. Like, although you want to be here. Bye. Although, like, I did la- on our last episode call you out for stopping for dinner on your way. I was like, no, like, <laughs> you and Oh, yeah, I can't food. eat. And I have, well, because you, you prioritized mm-hmm. your food ahead of our start time. So that was the difference, right? Well, uh, are we going to get into this food debate right now? Like, I'll get I hadn't into eaten it all you. day, Jackie. Neither I had I. To- Neither had oh, I. All right, guys. We're going to have a big food debate now. Okay, fine. I won't. Fine. It's not a food debate. It's not a food debate. It was there, you know, it was a, it was a consideration debate. Well, at least you're not like <laughs> threatening to leave the podcast and then still telling me. What no, I'd never, that, I'd you. never leave our podcast. I still love you, but I'm, because I love you, I'm going to say, yo, that was BS, man. Do you like then, like, who doesn't, here's the thing. On one side, we complain about cliches, and and especially in hockey, we joke about how interviews are so boring. And then on the other side, when we're seeing this passion and we're seeing this like flamboyance out of players, we're like, oh, that's too much. You got to rein it in. What's the happy medium? Like, are you, do you like showmanship? You know, we see it in the NHL, we see it in um, the NFL with celebrations, so on and so forth. What's your take on that extra bit of personality? I think we saw with uh, Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews too in a game recently. Like, let's talk about that because I personally love it. 
it as long as it's respectful. Well, it's a similar discussion, right? And it's so funny because when that game happened and Austin Matthews scored and did the whole, like, I call it like the Hulk Hogan, you know, it was very yeah. 80s. And yeah. then Patrick Kane, of course, being Patrick Kane, goes down the other way and scores and does the same thing. And I loved it. I think based on the reaction on Twitter, I think most hockey fans loved it. But there were a lot of people out there that were like, yo, Austin Matthews shouldn't be behaving that way. He shouldn't be doing that. Even Patrick Kane said after the game, I didn't really like it at first. Like, I, I, you know, like that's not really a move. That's not really a thing that I would do. But then once Mm -hmm. I got into it, I was going to do it back. He actually said he didn't like it, which I was shocked by because... Patty Kane shows his emotion a lot and he celebrates and does all of that. So it's very much part of the culture in hockey, but I love it. I love it when an athlete says what they think. I love it when they celebrate a goal, like they're playing a sport. You score a big goal. You should be happy. You should be excited. It's not about Mm -hmm. showing anybody up. It's just about enjoying the moment. And I feel like people just take it too seriously sometimes and they get upset but then they wonder right like people overreact to things and then they wonder why you know John Tavares doesn't say like riveting things in his interviews well no exactly because it's so scary it's scary the second you're honest yeah the second you're honest about something everyone's like oh you shouldn't have done that I hate it yeah I wish no I wish athletes were more candid you know what? I uh, this just came to mind, and I can't remember why it ever stopped. But I'm I remember people having a big issue with it when PK Subban and Carey Price did their little special handshake at the end of a game. And I remember that a lot of broadcasters were ripping that. And I don't remember if the Habs. Do you remember did the Habs put an end to it, or did it just kind of like fizzle away? Because they had that. I loved it, but then they they were saying that it isolated the rest of the teammates, and that I can kind of understand that perspective. But when it comes to just like being colorful and having an emotion, it's so annoying to expect a player to put everything they've got out on the line which is physically and emotionally obviously when you're playing and then separate that emotion when you actually do something good like that's what they're there for well it's like the difference too between the NBA and the NHL right like the NBA almost encourages players to have their own fashion sense and be on magazine covers and do all this stuff whereas hockey is very very much and anybody that's covered it or been around it long enough knows it is very much a team first mentality that's why when Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews graces the cover of Sharp magazine and all this wacky clothing people are like oh wow this is crazy because you don't see it a lot because it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be about the team but I was talking to Ryan Whitney today who used to play in the NHL and he was just saying like Hockey needs more of that. Hockey needs more like, oh, this guy's got great style or this guy loves country music or, you know, I want to know more about these people. And I don't think that takes away from the team at all. But for some reason, it's ingrained in hockey culture that if you are um, have a big personality and you show it, that you're somehow Mm -hmm. being selfish. And PK is a great example of someone that's taken a lot of flack for that when it's like... Mm -hmm. So because he's a big personality, he's not a team guy. Can you not be both? Can you not be a cool, entertaining guy, but also be a great, you know, glue guy, a great team guy? I think you can be both. But you know what's funny with with you saying that? I don't know if you, you can, 
but to what extent can you? Because we always talk about that, that in the NBA, it's like X person, X superstar carries a team. And obviously the team is important, but you know that there are one or two standout players here and there that make or break the playoffs and what happens in the playoffs and winning championships. Now in hockey, it it really is that much more of a team sport. And if we did start to completely focus or if that one person started to make the game entirely about themselves and not play the system whatever they discuss with their coach but that's a different thing that you're talking about right like there's a difference between like making the game about yourself and being yourself and letting putting your personality on display outside Mm -hmm. of the game when you arrive to the game when you do charity events or you know in PK's case you get traded to Nashville so you go to karaoke at Tootsie's or wherever the heck he did it like Mm -hmm. that stuff is fine and it doesn't mean that you're not a team player I don't know I'm just sick of that narrative and it's unfair it's unfair to the guys that get labeled that just because they what because they like to have a good time all of a sudden they're not a Team player, team player. No, exactly. So if the NHL wants to grow the league, which they do, I mean, they want to. Seattle might be coming or is coming, and and they want it to be bigger and better. Then they've got to let players have personalities because on this day and age, on social media and whatever else is happening, that carries a huge amount of interest. So well, the game itself isn't, you know, it's not even enough anymore. Sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, uh, this brings me to Patrick Line, right? Because I I love Patrick Line. He is hilarious. He's got a dry mm-hmm. sense of humor. When you interview him, he's he He's almost like bluntly honest. Like he just says whatever comes to mind. And it's, I think it's so fun and entertaining. But yeah. recently he had some interesting comments about the Canucks and their, their decision to ban Fortnite and video games on the road and basically said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but basically was like, well, yeah, if we were that bad, we would ban video games too. Yeah. What do you think no, he about said that? that? He, said they use, he also said, oh, I guess they're just using it as an excuse for why they played that bad. And then he's yeah. like, yeah, we would do the same. I mean, rude for sure, but I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, rude. That's like Michelle from Full House. How rude. Rude. I mean, definitely like a dig. Like, I I don't know. I'm not a hockey player. I, I know many of them. A lot of my friends are. And they take respect for each other. <laughs> Easy. So I'm what? friends with so many hockey players. No, That's just, basically what you just did. I'm not saying now. I'm just saying like former former guys that made it to the AHL or went over to Europe and then have come back and, you know, work at, you know, you're friends with former players that you broadcast with. But like when I talk I to know. those guys, they take respect for each other in terms of across teams um you know they have that whole handshake thing obviously that's a huge thing in hockey that sets it apart so seriously so I can see how that would be offensive to some people but like I don't care I thought it was awesome but I'm on the inside looking out no I'm on the outside looking in and I love it Here's the thing, and this is where like I flipped the script because I was just all like, yeah, Butler, yeah, Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane and like do your thing. But with this one, this one was a little bit more insulting. If I was on the Vancouver Canucks, right, and yeah, I worked yeah. my tail off, like I'm Brock Besser, I had a great year, I, I killed it, I worked so hard, and then some guy who doesn't even know the effort that you and the rest of your teammates put in is yeah. all of a sudden basically ridiculing your season and and commenting on what your team's deciding to do. It's like, dude, this is not even your place. That would be like me just walking onto this podcast right now and being like giving you relationship advice that you didn't ask for you'd be like dude 
I didn't ask you for any advice. You don't know anything about it and you're commenting on it. Why? But wasn't he being like just humorous? Like we talked about his dry sense of humor. He doesn't really. He's okay. How a bit of a prick. Okay, I'm going to make a comparison that's probably a stupid comparison, but I'm going down the road because here we are. So him ridiculing the Canucks and making fun of their season, even if it's light, is still insulting to that team of people that he doesn't even necessarily know and certainly hasn't played with. It would Mm -hmm. be like me hearing that you were dating a guy and he cheated on you. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, and you were like, well, you know, we're trying again because he was drunk. And I would be like, well, that's just an excuse. Have fun with that relationship. It's, you know, you're criticizing analogy I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. So maybe not. I'm just (laughs) saying, I'm just saying like he's commenting on something he doesn't know anything about. And saying right, that right, they're right. making excuses for their season last year when they they weren't. I don't well, know. I'm not Team Lani on that one. I I'm find not. it. I find it. If you want some personality, you got to take it all. And if you don't, you don't. Because like I, because I saw the smirk in his face, and I disagree. Yeah. No, all right. Because that all wasn't right, well. it. Wasn't gamesmanship like Kane and Matthews going back and forth in the midst of a game? Game. This was. I'm speaking about you in a condescending nature, and it's funny for me because I'm I'm on the good side. But if someone was saying that about Patrick Line, if Patrick Line has a bad year this year, and mm-hmm. someone comes out and starts making jokes at his expense, you think he likes it? I no, doubt but if you can it. Dish it you got, I bet you he could take it. I okay, so I bet it. you if Line if Line gets like t- this won't happen because Line is sick. But if yeah. he if he had a down year and only scored ten goals this year, and yeah. someone came out and was like, "Oh, he's just making excuses for his bad year," he would be he would he, rightfully be, dude. You have no idea what my season was about. No, totally. I think. I don't think he'd be happy about it, but I think he's – I don't know him. I, I actually have never even interviewed him. Um, but I just think, like, he just seems like the type of guy, like Alexander Ovechkin. He is outspoken, has said some offensive things to people, but he can take it. Like, when he he can make fun of himself, and people make fun of him, and he's he's just down with it. So I don't know. I, I don't, like – I don't I don't think if I was a Canucks, I would like it. I'm just saying that I thought it was – I thought it was a bit snarky and and I think like in the NHL you are supposed to respect each other even as your opponents it's just like the part of the culture of the game I'll tell you what a bit of like a what I'll be watching when the Canucks and the Jets play each other the Jets clearly the better team but I just want to see kind of how that game goes and how much line a gets hit in that game I mean he they're going to be targeting him anyways because he's so good but I mean I'm a little bit Jekyll and Hyde here because I basically, I want my cake and eat it too, right? Like I want players to be honest and joke around and whatever, but there's still a line. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listen, I want you to talk about Brad Marchand because you mentioned that to me before we got into this. You're like, I really want to bring this up. So tell me, what's your issue? Here we go. Speaking of a guy that honestly a lot, he's obviously very controversial and some people like him and some people don't. I Love Brad Marchand's game for the most part. I think he's a great dude. But my issue is he changed his pronunciation of his name again. It was Brad. So after he won the cup in Boston. Yeah. You know, and really came on everybody's radar. It was established that his name was pronounced Marchand. He even said as much. I remember that. Brad Marchand. Now 
years and years later, he's one of the best players in the league. And all of a sudden, we get this video from Jack Edwards saying, oh, it's Marshawn. And he was like, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you guys, here's how he wants his name to be said. Our job is hard enough. Like, you're going to change your pronunciation of your name every five years? I can't. I can't. Mm -hmm. Like... Come on, dude. you know what? You know which one tripped me out was Parisi because I was so used to saying Zach Parise, Zach Parise, and then it was Zach Parisi, and I was like, Ugh, I hate the sound of that. But I, I mean, if that's his name, all you know, that's your name. But it's I know. Worst. And as a broadcaster, it's it's. I mean, names in the NHL are hard enough, right? Like there's Jonases and Jonases. I get them all mixed up. Yeah, it's not a good time. Why are you making my job my life harder? Johansson and Johansson. No, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I did a story a long time ago on social media about how I write my scripts and they're a disaster, but they're like an organized mess to me. But when it comes to names, phonetically, I will write them out. And actually, didn't bring this up, but who was it? Um, I think it was Tyler Sagan at the NHLPA media tour. So I had a bunch of questions and I had players' names out. And he looked over my shoulder because he looked at my notes and he was like, wow and he was like that's your spelling of our names he's like you know you're spelling them wrong I'm like I know this is for me but this is for me on how to pronounce them so I would write phonetically like Marchand let's say M-A-R-C-H-O-N-D which is not how you or S-H-O-N-D which is not how you would spell it but but I remember saying looking over my paper and being like this is embarrassing he thought that I just didn't know how to spell their names Anyway, for me, I need to write it phonetically. Like anytime I do highlights or scripts, obviously I know a lot of the names, but if it's like a new name, a new player that's coming up, what do you do? Do you just like, do you have a method? Do you have a system? I, I do kind of the same thing because my whole thing is when a name is is tough to say, if I have it spelled out the way that it just is spelled, my brain, even if I know how to say it, my brain won't compute it in the heat yeah. of the moment when I'm on live yes. television. And even the other day, the other day, so Sveshnikov is like one of the best rookies in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And his name is, it's it's Sveshnikov. It's exactly how it's spelled. But I, I get legit anxiety when I'm about to say it because I'm like, I'm going to be like, Sveshnikov. I just like stutter over it because it's like Sveshnikov is like not easy to say. So I get I get legit even when I know how to say the name and I'm familiar with it. If it's a tough name just for me to like pronunciate, yeah, I get a little bit nervous. But my point about the Marchand thing is not is is just about why are you telling us this now? Like really, mm. I feel like if you want to correct the pronunciation of your name, mm-hmm. you do it in the first couple years you're in the league. After that, no. You get the name that we gave you. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's no. so true. Especially when you've won a cup. Like Brad Marchand has won a cup. Why are you waiting X amount of years? No, seriously, if you, I don't know what your relationship, um, I know you guys have a lot of fun on the NHL network. If you had him on your show, would you ever bring that up? 100% I would. Oh, 100% I would. Do you know if you're going to get him? Um, We got him last year. We'll see if we get him this year. Put in that request because I would love to see that. If we get him, I will 100% chirp him about changing the pronunciation of his name because that's just brutal. It's brutal. I know, two times and like you said, years and years in. That's the thing. It would be different if it was his first season or second year and he was like, all right, guys, this is how you say my name. I'd be like, okay. Like, you won a cup like a hundred years ago. (laughs) No. I know. I know. Seriously, six years ago. Yeah. So anyways, Um, good Nova Scotia boy, though. I like Brad Marchand. Just 
if you change it again, it's like you're over. In my books, like you are over. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. Uh, here's a name that looks on paper a little bit difficult, but easy enough, especially, um, you know, in Canada, a name that no one will ever forget. Haley Wickenheiser. Uh, oh, my gosh. Legend. I'm so excited. I'm so, so pumped. Excited. You too. and I both were really excited that we actually got the chance to talk to Haley Wickenheiser for obvious reasons, but for two girls growing up wanting to cover hockey and be involved yeah. in sports, she is the legend of all legends and she certainly lived up to the hype in our interview so we're super excited to share it with you take a listen jack and soph here with the woman who needs no introduction four-time olympic gold medalist with team canada and so many things on her resume resume excuse me Haley wickenheiser thank you so much for joining us Haley, and being on our show no problem thanks for having me guys so most recently, you have added to that very lucrative resume as uh, becoming the assistant director of player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Jackie and I, we just were really curious about the process from beginning to end, if you could sum it up for us, of how uh, you got this job in the sense of when you knew you wanted it, how you'd heard about it, the interview process, and then, of course, the call you got um, into accepting it. Can you, can you take us through that timeline? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, on my previous history, uh, when I played, I worked with Daryl Balfrey for about eight years, who is uh, one of the skills development guys for the Leafs. And so um, Daryl and I see the game very similarly, and we spent a lot of time together through the years. So um, I think his, uh, you know, his connection with Kyle and talking with Kyle Dubis, who's the GM of the Leafs, um, said, you know, you should talk to Haley. She's got something to offer. And uh, so Essentially, that's what it was. Kyle called me and, and uh, essentially just offered me the job. It was pretty straightforward. <laughs> so you're telling me you didn't have to submit a resume for this gig? <laughs> uh, I think my, my life in hockey is my resume, my body of work, I guess. They kind of, uh, you know, knew what I could bring. I met with Kyle for a few hours. We just talked about our philosophy of life and hockey and development and all those types of things. And uh, I suppose that was my interview. Yeah, I, I figured someone uh, of your stature wouldn't need to submit a resume, especially not for a hockey job. Uh, but congratulations on the gig with the Leafs. That's a huge deal. I know um, a lot of people were really excited about that. And Haley, I actually watched your TED Talk recently, and I was really inspired listening to you talk about this mentality that you have uh, for anybody that's you know facing adversity or trying to accomplish something. And it's not just women. I think we all know everybody faces that with any goal that they set. But you have this mentality of bucking it or bucket and I think you face those moments where you have to bucket uh, along the way for me I had a high school teacher that really instilled a lot of confidence in me but I'm curious for you um, what moment or moments stand out for you as a moment where you had to say bucket and really gained a, a, a confidence where you said it doesn't matter what people think I'm doing this uh, I would say pretty much my entire childhood. <laughs> Every single day I went to the rink. Um, like the, the fact of the matter is, you know, a girl playing hockey when I played when I was a kid and um, I was good when I was younger and people didn't like that generally as a, as a girl taking a boy's spot. So I think from a very young age, I learned how to not listen to the critical opinion of others and how to develop thick skin and how to basically work my way through that situation by I guess having this sort of bucket mentality or uh, I guess I'll I'll prove you wrong I'll show you kind of mentality which 
can actually be a really exhausting way to live. But for me, it was how I sort of survived and developed resiliency and mental toughness. And I think it served me very well for where I am today. Were you ever close to saying, I am, I'm done and maybe this isn't, this is getting too hard. And I, obviously I know you uh, cracked Team Canada, Canada at a very young age. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm talking mm-hmm. about teenage years or childhood years. Ever a point where you, you know, went to bed and you're like, this is a little too hard? Uh, no, actually. Uh, never, never that point for me. Um, I think for my parents, there were lots of times when they would say to me, are you sure you want to keep playing? This is getting hard. We don't really like to see you suffer like this. And they were very non-pressured. My parents are both retired school teachers, and they were very involved in our community. So, um, But they didn't care if I was good at hockey. They just wanted me to do things and be active as a kid. So, So they didn't like the abuse that I had to take. I think they sheltered me from a lot of that. But I never once wanted to quit. There were days I didn't want to go to the rink or I didn't want to go to practice or those types of things. Everybody has those days. But I never once thought about hanging up my skates, I don't think, until I was retired. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, like for, for kids, the parents shoulder a lot of that, that criticism and that rejection for all kids that are playing sports and getting cut or are having a hard time. So I'm sure for your parents early on in, in your life kind of took the brunt of that for you, which um, I'm sure helped, helped you in the long run. Oh, for sure. I mean, the biggest, you know, the biggest reason why I was able to do anything in hockey is because of my mom and dad and very, very progressive mindset. They believe that a girl could do anything a boy could do when I was young. And uh, I've sort of had this very equal relationship uh, in their lives. And they've modeled that for myself and my younger brother and sister and myself and the kids in our community. And so uh, I just grew up, you know, not seeing barriers. And I grew up, you know, not seeing lots of things like color and, and just, you know, a very open way to look at life. And so I think that that's Uh, was probably the biggest reason why I played is I was oblivious to a lot of what was going on as well. Well, um, Haley, obviously you've come a long way. I love the bucket shirts. So if there's anywhere I can buy one of those, I'm definitely in uh, on the bucket mentality because I found that very uh, motivating and amazing. But, you know, your hockey career is well documented. Now you're working with the Leafs. You're also in med school. You've got a family. You're an incredibly busy woman. How do you do all of this? I mean, what is a typical day for you? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I love that that's your initial reaction is, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> um, well, I, I think you could probably get the bucket shirt on my website. I think we have some up there. Um, but Perfect. I, I'm done, careful done. When I, we are getting them. <laughs> I'm careful when I wear it because if the bee is folded over, it looks like something else. But um, <laughs> don't really uh, – Although I would like to wear that to med school some days, but um, <laughs> uh, I think you should. <laughs> I'll, I'll get brave maybe when I get a little bit more time. But uh, my typical, honestly, my days are, are very, very long and they're very scheduled. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was uh, studying for majority of the day at class and then I, I worked with a with a doctor in a clinic and then I went straight to the Calgary Hitman game to watch a Leaf Prospect play and I got home at about 10:30, wrote up my report and went to bed. So that was uh, you know a pretty typical day although I I do uh make time to train every single day like I did when I was playing because I I believe that you got to take care of your body and your health with number one or you can't take care of anything else. So that's still very very important to me so I squeeze in a couple hours every day for that. 
And you squeezed in time for an interview, which we are greatly uh, appreciative of. And you uh, appreciative of. And you didn't mention sleep or eat eating anywhere in there, and the fact that you have a family too. So holy crap, your days are full, and and uh, you do a lot. Yeah, they're they're busy. Fortunately, my son's off to university shortly, so that that changes things when your kids grow up. You get a little bit more time, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, more just about time management, and I, I love what I do. So, in between studying leukemia and watching leaf highlights, it's an interesting job. You've you've got a nice balance of things there. You've got like the ho- the fun that hockey provides, and the very serious nature of medicine and studying uh, some of these diseases. So you've got a, you've got a very balanced. Uh, uh, interests in your day but I mean this job with the Leafs you're watching hockey now you're on the other side of it watching these prospects and stuff could you ever see yourself possibly getting into coaching or doing anything like that I know we've seen women in the NBA and assistant coaching jobs and stuff like that has that ever kind of crossed your mind um not well it has crossed my mind but I think right now I Coaching for me, it's not the lifestyle that I want at the moment just because um, of medicine but when I am working in this role in development, I'm on the ice with players. Um, you know, I am getting to, to coach and work with players just in a very different way. And so it's actually a, a, something I really enjoy because part of being a hockey player or, or in my career was I was interested in anything and everything that could make me better as a player. And I was just a real student and of the game. And I like to learn from the best. And, I, and I've been around uh, the best of the best in hockey through my whole career. So I, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge that I can and in part, and I like to help players get better. There's nothing more satisfying than watching a guy, you know, do something that you worked on in practice or gain confidence and become a better player. So that's sort of a satisfying part. Coaching is uh, a lot more cutthroat, especially at the NHL level. It's um, a very, you know, doggy dog kind of world. And <laughs> you don't um, say, you know. <laughs> so for me right now with with medicine and, and what I want to do uh practicing emergency trauma medicine and and this blend of what I'm doing with players I think I have a a perspective on life as a player and then also um you know quite frankly seeing you know traumatic events that happen to people and very very bad things that um you know you kind of get a perspective that hey it's not the end of the world if you aren't scoring for a couple games you just got to figure it out <laughs> When Haley, when did medicine become of interest to you? Obviously, you knew that your career was going to, um, at least you knew that the skill level you had in hockey when you were a teenager. Did you grow up wanting to be in medicine as a, as a little girl? If you're picking something other than hockey, what was that dream and when did medicine become of interest? Yeah, so when I was a kid, I wanted to play for the Edmonton Oilers and I wanted to go to Harvard Med School. So I remember when I was about eight years old, um, one of our friends came back uh, from Harvard and I got a I got a shirt that said Harvard on it. And I don't know, it was just nice. kind of a dream that I had. Yeah, and I, uh, um, I, I still have this like purple sweatshirt, but it's, um, yeah, always been something I, I like working with people. I like helping people. And I think medicine is something that gives me what I miss from playing hockey, which is you know, the adrenaline and the working in the team environment, you have to make quick decisions. Everyone has an ego and you have to learn how to manage it. There's a lot of things that are the same in medicine as they are in hockey. And, and you know, quite frankly, I couldn't see myself doing one thing for the rest of my life. I have a lot of different interests in my life. And so this is so far uh, fulfilling all that stuff. 
So big dreams from a very, very early age, Harvard Med School and Oilers. So if that's not reason enough for any kids listening to dream big, uh, I don't know what is. But um, congratulations on med school, because that's that is a tough thing to take on uh, for anybody, let alone somebody with your schedule. But Haley, we ask everybody on the show this question. So I'm going to ask you this question as well. We live in 2018. Emojis are a way that we communicate via text, on Twitter, on Instagram. What is Haley Wickenheiser's most used emoji via text, if you even use them? I'm assuming that you do. Oh, my God. It's uh, it's for sure that, like, crap emoji, that brown. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Like, at least five times a day, I use oh, that one. That is so good. Definitely the best answer we've gotten so far. That made me laugh. That was good. The crap emoji. I like it. How oh, was your damn crap emoji? <laughs> that is so good. I know, Jackie, you know what? That was going to be our wrap-up question, but Haley, we kept a timer on because we didn't want to keep you longer than we promised. But I would just love, um, Jackie, if you don't mind, I would just love to end with one thing. And that was one of my favorite quotes I've read from you. Did a, you did an interview with Christina Rutherford, who's fantastic, and you said you're, you've always been comfortable with being uncomfortable. And uh, I, you also mentioned that article. You don't like to look at yourself as a – or you didn't like hearing legend because you were still playing. Um, but you've done a lot for a lot of people in terms of inspiring them in their dreams and being uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Any final words of advice to those who might be listening who are going through a hard time maybe that, uh, that uh, want to pursue something that's you know facing some obstacles right now? Uh, you know what I just say, like, honestly, every day I get up, I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, you know, I go to med, I go to med school and I, I go in the ER and I'm expected to do things that I've never done before. And, you know, it, it usually involves helping some, saving someone's life or affecting someone's life. And that's a big responsibility to have. And so, um, you know, the, what I learned, um, or what I've learned through that is, is to always say yes, to just go for it and, and eventually you'll either figure it out, fall on your face or gain more confidence and be better for it. And so um, it's okay to, to be afraid to fail and, and, you know, to not feel confident. Um, but I think the thing is to always tell yourself to, to say yes and go for it because in the end you'll look back and I think be really happy that you did. So uh, we all go through highs and lows. And I think the, the best thing is to just try to stay off the roller coaster as much as possible. <laughs> I love that answer because I think, especially kids, they look at people that are a finished product, right? They look at an Olympic gold medalist and they don't see all of the stuff that it took to get to that mountaintop and reach that goal. So it's okay to be afraid. We all are every single day uh, until we face it and we get through it. So that, that was a great note to end on. Uh, Haley, thank you so much thank for your you. time. Enjoy med school. Enjoy working with the Leafs. Uh, you appear to be someone that can do it all. We appreciate your time and I will never look at the poo emoji the same ever again. <laughs> Without thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'll, you'll, you'll imagine me writing some impossible exams. So it's, it's possible. If I can do it, anybody can at this age. So thanks for the time, guys. Thank thanks, you so Haley. much. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Jackie, there are a million things I loved about that interview, but my two favorites were what she said at the end. I loved how she said the crap emoji is her go-to emoji. <laughs> uses it like five times a day. And then obviously on the serious note, it was really cool, really cool to hear her say, I wake up scared or I wake up afraid every day. Like you don't think someone who's gone through so much, has accomplished so much, is like has such a resume still wakes up being like 
I don't know if I got this, but I'm going to give it my best. And that's super encouraging just to hear and, and really, really cool. Yeah, it was, I felt inspired when we finished that conversation. I just wanted to go run through a wall. Like I can what? do anything. <laughs> run I don't wall. know. Like I was jacked. I was yeah. so motivated by what she had to say. And it's for all the reasons that you just listed. She was even better to talk to than I even thought she would be and I thought that she would be awesome so she's great and I I mean the fact that she's doing med school and working with the Leafs and has a family and all that is just so incredible she's the best and just the fact that she uses poo emojis makes her even cooler (laughs) obviously I have to loved you yeah thanks Haley you're the best um I do I'm a jerk So I'm just going to take a second to say happy birthday to you, Ah. Soph, because it is eight o'clock at night on your birthday, and I totally forgot to the point where you had to tell me, so bad friend award goes to me. No, don't you think I'm the bad friend for even being like, oh, by the way, it's my birthday? Like, who does that? No. such a loser. Loser. You... No, you're not a loser. I should have known better. So I'm really sorry. Happy birthday. Everybody that's listening to this, even though it's going to be when her birthday is over, should send Soph some birthday love on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. And while you're at it, you know, shoot us your comments, questions, use the hashtag Jack and Soph. And if you're not subscribed already, definitely subscribe. Give us a rating. Five stars. I mean, I sound like an Uber driver, but it's fine. Five stars. Review. We're on Apple. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. And And now we're on Spotify. We are very excited about that. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. I said like a lot again today, but that's okay. okay. We got to actually start keeping tally for this because it's going to be a fun game and uh, we're going to start doing this. Whoever out likes the other person because I say it a lot too. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but let's keep tally. I out liked -liked you this week for sure. Okay. Well, I I I hate myself for it, but it's your birthday, so it's okay. Well, yes. Anyways. I had fun. All right, girl. Well, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening, guys. Yeah. Peace.